Father, we love you. Father, we know and understand that this world is broken and fallen and sinful and there is full, it is full of suffering. And there's no one in this room that has not suffered. Father, we know that this life we will suffer. But Father, that you have promised us a better future, a future to come. And so, Father, I pray that we will, will view the world correctly, view it through the lens that you've given us to view it through, and to give us the strength to persevere in those hard times. Father, I pray that your word will open up to us and help us to see you more clearly and to see this reality that we live in more clearly. We love you, Father. We love you so much. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So it begs the question that we'll be addressing in the next couple of weeks. Is God all good? And if he's all good, is he all powerful? And if he's all good and he's all powerful, then why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? And why do so many horrible things happen to such good people? So I want to start off and first point out and distinguish between what I'm talking about the next two weeks when I say suffering. I am not talking about difficulties. Okay? Suffering and difficulty, I'm distinguishing when I say suffering. I'm not talking about something was hard or something was difficult. Um, Just because something's difficult doesn't mean you're suffering. You understand that? Just because something, you may be straining You may even be hurting, but that doesn't always qualify as suffering. Lifting your body weight on a bench press, for me, is difficult. Some, not so much, but at some point, it's difficult. Um, You literally have to strain to do so, and you could even say that it hurts to do so. But when you put those weights back on the bar, you're not suffering You're strengthening. You're growing. Even though you're exhausted after a hard workout, you feel better after the pain than you did before the pain. You're stronger and you're happier with yourself. When you choose to stay home and give up on that workout routine, that's when you feel guilt and feel depressed, isn't it? You feel good when you actually go through the pain. You actually feel good. That's not the type of suffering I'm talking about. I'm talking about the type of suffering that when you go through it, you literally are grieving. You feel grief. You feel pain. You feel turmoil. That's the type of suffering I'm talking about. I'm talking about hardships that cause your inner person, your spirit or your soul, to grieve. You hurt on the inside. The weights are not on a bar, they're on your soul. There's no one here who has not suffered. There's not. Everyone here has experienced a different level of suffering because everyone here has walked a different path in life, but everyone has suffered. And it's not during suffering that we all... It is during suffering that we often want to question God. Why me? Why now? Why like this? And we will begin to take our perception of our reality and begin to use that view to form how we view God himself. Job did. We're talking about suffering today and we will not be finishing today. Today we're talking about suffering as a follower of Christ. 
Next week, we'll focus more on general suffering. But before we jump in, let me ask you this question. Why is there suffering at all? Why does suffering exist? And the answer is because of sin. Plain and simple. Suffering entered the world through sin. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sin. Suffering can always be traced back to sin in one way or another because in God's original plan and in his future promise, suffering did not and will not be a part of our lives. There was not suffering in the garden before Adam and Eve sinned. And there will not be suffering on the new earth when God recreates the heavens and the earth and comes down with his holy city to dwell on it with us for all of eternity. Revelations 21, 1-4 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Sometimes we can easily see how suffering is a direct result of sin. But sometimes it's harder to see how it's an, because it's an indirect result of sin sometimes. When someone betrays you, lies to you, steals from, ridicules, take advantage of, takes advantage of or even kills another person. It's easy to see how that suffering is a direct result of sin. But sometimes it's not as obvious. Sometimes people sin in ways that we don't know about and we suffer because of it, even though God knows. For example, there are many people today that are suffering from all kinds of illnesses that we have yet to realize what the cause of that illness is. And so often it keeps coming back that we are the cause of lots and lots of these illnesses. I just want to give you an example. If you just go online and search radioactive makeup, y'all heard of this? Search radioactive makeup and you will find that companies, now this is back in the 20s and 30s and 40s. This was a big deal. Matter of fact, you can go find black and white uh, commercials where they're sticking Geiger counters up to people, women's faces, okay? But you can go online and search this, and you will find that companies were putting radium in all kinds of products and advertising them as radioactive. And that was their selling point. This is radioactive. It's great for you. <laughs> From makeup, you ready? I'm not going to list all of them, but I just looked at some of the products. Makeup was a big one. You know Why? Because it caused women's face to glow. They literally glowed. They, it was a radioactive glow. To uh, the numbers on your watches. Women would paint radioactive paint on, 
paint on the numbers on your watches so that your numbers would glow. And you know how they got their toothbrushes ready? They'd lick them. They'd lick their toothbrushes and stick them in the paint and paint. And then these women, eventually, were having all kinds of problems. Their jaws and their head and their, their face was ha- having all these radioactive problems. Eventually, I'm sure it killed them. Toothpaste. Put radium in your toothpaste. Chocolate bars had radium. This magical stuff that glowed was just this coolest thing ever. And you know why I... You say, well, they didn't know back then the effects. That wasn't sin. That was ignorance. No, let me tell you. Their ignorance was sin. Because here's this new thing that they create, radium, and it has this really... Crazy effect that we're not used to. It glows in the dark. There's something about it. And they didn't care enough to research the health effects more than they cared about making the dollar off this cool product. When you come out with a new drug that's supposed to be this great life-saving drug, what do you do? You research it first to make sure it's safe because you care about people more than you care about that dollar, right? That's how it's supposed to be. But what about Job? The source of all of his suffering goes back to sin too. It just wasn't his. It was Satan's. All his suffering was due to Satan's sin. This is where I want to I want to get into a, a parable. I made it up. Obviously, not going to be as good as God's. It's not inspired. It's not divine. So take it what it may. It's going to have good parts, and there'll be parts that you'll probably say that probably wasn't the best way to do it. I'm just I'm just a person, okay? But Jesus did teach in parables, and he painted these visual pictures for them to imagine these pictures, and it helped them understand the truth that he was trying to teach. And so I just want to try that today because I think it's going to help. People get disillusioned when suffering hits them hard, especially Christians. When suffering comes their way and they start to experience pain and grief, they get upset and get disillusioned about they shouldn't be suffering. They shouldn't be. I shouldn't be suffering. God should be protecting me from suffering. And it's our fault. But here's the thing, Jesus didn't teach that. Here's our problem. When we go to recruit people, I use the word recruit because that was kind of my my analogy today. When we go to bring people into the faith, okay, and we tell them about Jesus and how they need Jesus, we're telling them to join, that their Christian life is going to be more like a cruise ship than it's going to be like a war. We do that. And it's our fault. It's true. You know, let me just give you an example. So, we go up to people and we say, are you suffering? Are you down and out? Is your life falling apart? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be a blessing to others? Do you want the best life you can have now? Right now? 
Well, you can. You can have it emotionally, you can have it spiritually, and you can have it physically. All you have to do is speak it and believe it. All you have to do is say, I'm not sick. I don't have cancer. I can walk. Just say it and believe it. And on and on and on we go. And people get disillusioned because it doesn't happen that way. And then they blame God. Here's the thing. We're not signing them up for a cruise ship. We're signing them up for war. Why are we signing them up for war? Because we're in a war. We don't see it, but we're in a war. Who's at war? Satan has waged war against God, has he not? He's battling God every day, is he not? He's trying to take out every one of us, is he not? We live on a planet in which there is a war going on and we are the target. But we don't let people know that when we go to try to tell them how they need Jesus. They go into war. They follow Jesus into the battlefield. They get shot at and they get hit by shrapnel and they say, hold up. I was told we're going on a cruise. I'm out of here. I'm done. But Jesus didn't go around telling his followers that they would suffer less by following him. He told them that they would suffer more by following him. Did he not? You'll never read where Jesus said, hey, if you follow me, life on this earth is going to get so much easier. He taught the exact opposite. Let's look at it. Luke 10 Luke 21, 10 through 18 says this, Then Jesus told them, he's talking about the end times, you know, at, at Pretty much, he's, he's telling them about what's going to be like when, when, when Jesus is dead and gone. He says, Then he told them, Nations will be raised up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes and famines and plagues in various places, and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and do what? Persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. In other words, they're going to persecute you because you follow me. They will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time. For I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will even be betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will kill some of you. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. But not a hair of your head will be lost. You see, Jesus said there's a war going on. And we've been dropped in the middle of it by being born on this earth. You don't choose to join the war by becoming a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't want you to get the the picture wrong. I'm not saying... If you choose to become a Christian, then you're choosing to join the war. No, no, no. I'm saying because you were born and you exist on a, in a war zone, you are in a war. Whether you do anything about it, whether you train for it, or, or whatever you do, you're in the middle of a war zone and you could be the next casualty. 
The whole Earth is the battlefield, and even outer space too for the astronauts that are on the International Space Station. Don't want to leave them out. Satan declared war against God, and he managed to convince a third of the angels to join his side. How? I have no idea. But that's what it says. A third of the angels joined his side, and they are roaming around on this earth. They're not, just, just so we're clear, they're not locked up and trapped in hell where they can't get to us. Not yet. They're roaming around on this earth looking for who they can devour. And every one of us are their targets. And so we have a choice to make. We can pretend that we're not really in a war. And this is where it gets interesting. Now, you ready? I want you to picture on earth an, an actual earth battle. Okay? This, picture yourself in Afghanistan or Iraq. Picture somewhere where there's desert. Okay? And there's a war going on. And you're out in the middle. You, there's a camp over here. There's an enemy, a, a, a base camp over here and a base camp over here. Two opposite sides fighting. And you're trapped out in that middle zone. That's what happens when you get born onto this earth. And this side, which we're going to say is the Christians, okay? This side, they come out to find you. They're looking for you. They want to protect you. They want to save you. And they come by and they say, look, we can take care of you. We can protect you. Come, come with us. Join our side. So they pick you up, and they bring you back to base camp, okay? So you're kind of you're getting into this whole thing. You're thinking, okay, I think I've joined a side. I, th- I think I've joined a side. And this is what happens. There's this guy that has a megaphone. There's no way I'm going to be able to tell this and keep looking back at my notes, so I'm just going to have to wing it, okay? There's a guy with his megaphone in the camp. In, in the camp. This is our camp. In the camp. And they, they dug an in-ground pool. And they have lounge chairs all around. And he's standing up here with a megaphone. And he's saying, hey, come join us. Come take it easy. Your life will be great. No problems. No worries. You can just have the best life you can dream of here. And you're looking at this side, and you're looking, and it looks tempting. And you're like, yeah, that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. But then here's this commander who's in charge of your entire base. And guess who it is? It's literally Jesus himself in the flesh, in his body, himself. You know Jesus is alive right now with a body, right? He raised on the third day with his body. He still has his body. He ascended into heaven with his body. Jesus is alive today in the flesh with his body right now. And all I'm saying is, picture him in this parable on earth. He's leading the envoys out. And he's saying, I promise you that this war will be over soon enough. And by the way, I've already won the war. I've already won it. But there's still people out there and I'm not giving up until every one of them has had a chance to be saved. I've already won it. Matter of fact, Jesus and Satan in this picture story, they came to a head-to-head battle and Satan killed Jesus. And then Jesus got back up. Alive. And he said, okay, now what are you going to do? 
That happened. Y'all know that happened. Satan led the killing of Jesus. And three days later, he got back up and he said, what's your plan B? Because you can't kill me. And so Satan knows he's defeated. He knows it's over. And so what's he doing? Now he's turning his attention to all those in the middle ground and in his camp. Because as much as he hates it, Jesus is leading an envoy of people who keep storming his gates. And so this battle's going on. Jesus said, I, the war, when the war is finally put to an end, which I've already won, but it just hasn't come to its culmination to an end yet. There's still people that we're fighting for out here. One day I'm going to put an end to every bit of it. And when I do, this little pool area y'all got going on is going to look like the desert and it's going to be awful and it's going to be hot and you're going to be miserable because everybody who decides to join this little pool club and not actually take arms and follow me is not going to be allowed into my kingdom when I set it up on this earth. Y'all see the problem here? The problem is not with what Jesus said when he asked us to follow him. The problem, he told us we're going to suffer and get hurt. And he told us some of us are going to die. The problem is how we present it to people. We don't tell them the truth. We don't tell them the truth. We tell them, you don't have to follow Jesus. You don't have to follow him in the battle. You don't, you don't have to do what he tells you to do. He comes every day, every day to camp. Every single day he comes into camp and he says, all right, follow me. And he says his sheep hear his voice. Every day he comes into camp and he says, follow me. And within the camp, there's a bunch who decide, I'm not following him. I'm not going to go where he wants me to go. I'm not going to follow him. Because that's, that's dangerous out there. That's painful. That's stuff I don't want to get into. He told the, when, he, when he told the parables of the four souls, remember one of those seeds? It landed on the soil with shallow ground and it grew up and when the sun hit it, it, it withered and died. Y'all remember that parable? This is what he said. When he explained it, he said, But he who has no root in his, is short-lived. When distress or persecution, that was the sun and the heat. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. He said he wasn't really a follower. As soon as he had to suffer for me, he said, I'm out. I'm not following you. I'm not going to suffer because of you. I'm going to go back to my life apart from you. I'm going to go back to living my life with you not in my mind because I'm not willing to suffer for you. And that's what Jesus said. When telling his followers what to expect, after they kill him, he said, then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. You will be hated by, me, by all nations because of my name. Jesus made it crystal clear. You will suffer if you follow me. Paul said to the Philippians believer, you ready? Y'all may not be familiar. I know y'all are familiar with most of the Gospels. Y'all may not be familiar with the other letters. Paul said to the Philippian believers, he said this in Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. You might want to circle that in your bulletin and write that down. It's been granted to you 
granted, it's a privilege. We don't look at suffering as a privilege. But, but here, God's Word, God is telling us it's a privilege. It's been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only just to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. And in case you think I've been going too far with this whole war analogy, Paul told Timothy, who was his protege, he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.3, he said, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So that brings us back to this war situation. Here's the thing. Jesus comes into camp. You see all these faithful followers going out with him into battle. And you see all these other folks saying, I don't want nothing to do with following Jesus. I just want to enjoy my life the best I can. That's the two groups you see. And you have to make a decision. What group am I going to be in? Am I going to obey Christ and follow him and actually have a real relationship with him and an eternal inheritance forever? Or am I going to turn my back on him and am I going to just try to live for me now? Just enjoy life the best I can for me. Enjoy it as much, just live it up the best I can while everybody else is suffering and dying and people are going to hell. What am I going to do? And so if you make that decision, you say, well, I'm going to start my boot camp, right? I'm going to train. I'm going to go to the range. I'm going to practice. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do to prepare me for this war. Because I'm going to go into this war and I'm going to save some people. Even if it costs me my life on this earth. Because Jesus promised there's going to be a new future and everybody's coming back for it. Think about our brave men and women who are putting their lines on the line for our country right now. Think about them. Are they thinking out there in the battlefield, are they thinking to themselves, man, I love getting shot at. Nope. So what does that tell you? That's not why they're out there. They're not out there to get shot at and to get killed. That's not their motivation. You can say whatever you want about somebody's motivation for going into the service, but one thing I've found about people in the service who are putting their lives on the line, this is what they're thinking. They're thinking, if I'm not out here putting my life on the line for my country and all these other guys, and men and women, then our country is not going to keep its safety. If we just say, okay, we're done with the military, guess what? There's lots of other countries who have militaries who would love to move in. Would love to. They're thinking about this place that they can have that's safe for their family and for their loved ones, right? They're thinking about this country, how this country is safe and free. And their wife and kids or husband or whoever it is, their family, their loved ones, they can grow up in this country and be free. And they say, you know what? I'm willing to put my life on the line for them and for their freedom and for their safety. And I'm willing to put my life on line for my brothers and sisters who are out here in the battle with me. And they're also looking forward to hopefully surviving their time in the service and handing it off to the next generation so that they can come back home and enjoy that freedom with their family and their loved ones. Are they not? 
Isn't that what gives them motivation out there? The people that they care about and thinking about this country that they'll be able to come home to? And that's what we've got on the line. Jesus is telling us to be willing to go out into battle following Him. He suffered too. He was not afraid to suffer. He gave us an example. That when life gets hard, it's not, woe is me, why is life so hard on me? Why does God hate me? Why is God so upset with me? No, it's because you're in a war. And there's an enemy that hates God, not God hating you. Y'all see that difference, right? And so we can't go through life and then when suffering hits us because we're following Christ and being a faithful follower of Christ, when suffering hits us, we can't put the blame on God. Nobody goes out in the war and then is putting the blame on the person who's got their back. They're putting the blame on the people who are fighting against them. And so if we're upset about suffering, it should be about two things. One, we're the ones who sinned and brought suffering into the world. And two, is by the hands of the enemy who's fighting as hard as he can against God every day and wants to take us out. Our being upset about the suffering should never be directed towards God as if somehow he doesn't love and care about us. His suffering proves how much he loves and cares about us. Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, if you're going to sit around and not follow me, if you're going to sit at camp and sit by the pool and do nothing, disobey me every single day, choose not to do what I've told you to do, and choose not to follow me, He said, if you're not going to bear your own cross and come after me, follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Romans 8.17 says this, If children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, that's us, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Now, like I said, everybody suffered a different amount. And your suffering will be at a different level. Every person will suffer different amounts based on the blessing that you're under by God. God has blessed this country far more than he's blessed other countries. And your suffering in this country as a Christian is far less than your suffering in other countries as a Christian. It's not equal. But if you're not willing to suffer for Christ's name, if you're not willing to follow him, then he says you're not going to be glorified with him. And so my question to you, is your commitment to Him real? Is it real? Is it genuine? Are you willing to follow Christ no matter what it costs you? Are you willing to follow Christ when it's inconvenient? Are you really willing to obey Him no matter how hard it is in this life? Or is your decision to say, I'm I'm not willing to follow Him. I'm not. Because it's tough. And I get persecuted and I get ridiculed and I don't want to. I don't want to give up this sin. I don't want to do this. I don't really want to follow him. And so you choose every day, I'm not going to follow him. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and I'm just going to try to enjoy life as much as I can while I can. Which side are you going to choose? 
Think about the kingdom that he's promised to establish. One with no more pain, no more suffering, and no more violence. And think about how you are convinced that he has already won this war. Satan had his chance. He killed Jesus. And Jesus got back up and said, okay, that didn't work. What's going to be your plan now? And he doesn't have one. Jesus can't be killed. He can't be outsmarted. And he can't be beaten. You know he's waiting to give everyone a chance to choose their side. And when that day comes, he will put an end to all of this. And he said that only those who choose to follow him will enter his kingdom. So what's your choice? Will you ignore his call and try to enjoy this base life as much as you can for the extremely short time that you have here? Or are you going to get trained, get equipped, and follow Jesus into battle and know that you made him proud? Second Timothy 1.8 So don't be ashamed of the testimony for our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. Christ suffered for us, therefore we should suffer for him. And we should rely and count on the power of God to get us through whatever suffering we may face in this short, temporary, fleeting time that we have on earth which is not going to last very long. And so I just want to finish by running through a few verses in 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter wrote these words. 1 Peter 2.21 For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. And he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And that is your hope of salvation. That Christ died for your sins, he died for you to, so that he might bring you to God. 1 Peter 4.1 Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. So there's your dichotomy. To suffer for Christ is to put away sin. To not put away sin is to say, I'm not willing to suffer like that for you. 1 Peter 4.13 Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when His glory is revealed. In 1 Peter 5.10 The God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. You've got to keep this life in perspective. Peter denied Jesus three times at his crucifixion. Peter denied Jesus three times. But Jesus 
did not deny Peter. He gave him another chance. And God is giving you another chance. Take it. Take it. Christ, God has made His Word so clear. Just read it. Just read it. It's so clear what He's called us to do. He has called us to follow Him no matter the cost. Because of what He's given us. And He's promised that this war will last just a brief, brief, fleeting moment in time. That you'll look back on this life and think, I wish I had spent every single minute doing everything I could to fight back against Satan while I had a chance. To move God's kingdom forward and to save people out of the grips of Satan, to snatch them out of his grips and to show them how much God loves them and how much God was willing to suffer for them. I wish I had spent more time focusing on God than I had spent on that earth focusing on me. And we're all guilty of it. Every single one of us. And all I'm trying to say is we need to remind ourselves We're not on a cruise ship yet. We will be one day. (laughs) We will be one day. We're in a war right now. And any soldier in battle who abandons his platoon or company or whatever you want to say that he's with, who abandons them to just go enjoy the beach life while they're there, is going to get discharged without honors. And Jesus talked many times about, and he talked about the parable of the souls. Those who start and then say, I don't want to do this. And they turn their back on Christ. And they turn their back on the faith. And I'm just saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Do not give up on the faith. Do not give up on God. And do not give up on your belief that God is very loving. And he loves you. And when bad things happen to you, and we'll talk more about the details of those situations next week, but when bad things happen to you, don't ever jump to the conclusion, God is, is, hates me. God wants this bad stuff to happen to me so I'll just suffer and, and be miserable. No, God loves you. And all suffering in one way or another can be traced back to sin. And sin's originator is Satan and us in this world. Not God. He loves you so much. He wants you to follow Him. And as as crazy as it sounds, He wants you to suffer for a little while so that people may be saved. He does. He wants you to follow Him into suffering. He wants you to follow Him into suffering so that people may be saved. And he promised there will come a day that he will guarantee that you will never suffer again. So let's hold strong to the faith. Let's make sure that we don't paint some false picture of what it means to follow Christ. 
make people believe that it's some joy ride where God's going to solve all your life's problems and you're going to have heaven now. Because he didn't promise heaven now. He promised a war now that he will get you through. That even if the enemy kills you physically, he said they will not be able to kill you spiritually and he will raise you back to life and he will give you a glorified body and you will live forever in his presence. Let's not give up on what he's called us to do. Let's not give up on our walk and following him. Let's have our closing song. Amen. Let's play together. Pray together. <clears throat> Father, we love you so much. Father, we know that you are worth suffering for. Father, we don't believe that we were worth you suffering for. But Father, that you are willing to do that shows us, just like all people today that are willing to suffer for other people because of your love. Is because of your great, amazing love for us. It causes us to just be blown away that you were willing to come to this earth and suffer at our hands and die for us. And so, Father, I pray that you give us the, the, the strength and the boldness and the encouragement and the love to go out into this world and to suffer not only for you but for, for others. That we would put our, our uh, pleasures aside, our, our, our contentments in life, the things that cause us to, to just want to pull away from any type of, of suffering and pain and just withdraw to ourselves where we just feel as good as we can. Father, help us to lay that aside for that brief time that we're here on this earth. That we would see that you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth anything that it would bring my way. And Father, we also want to thank you for blessing this country as much as you have. That we can live in this country and we can freely tell people that we are followers of you. That we love you. That you made the heavens and the earth. That you made all people in your image. And that you desire a relationship with us if we would just turn to you and place our faith in you that you will save us. We can go out these doors, we can, we can say it, we can stand behind in, this, in these doors and we can say it as much as we want and we don't fear on a day-to-day basis some group coming in and persecuting us and, and torturing us and killing us. And so, Father, for that, we thank you for the country that you placed us in. Father, we pray and continue that your blessing will continue on this country, that people will continue to be able to go out their doors every single day and talk about you and, and talk about how good you are and share your truth, your gospel message and not be put to, to, to the sword for it. Father, we thank you. And Father, I pray that we will be faithful followers of you. That we won't just follow you with our lips, but we'll follow you with our lives. That we'll actually follow you. We'll actually get up and go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do. And Father, we thank you for the future that you have promised for us. But Father, we also thank you for your presence here with us. That you strengthen us and you give us the ability to, to go through any suffering that we face on this earth 
by your power, the power of God. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you also put a hedge around us, that you will not allow us to be tempted to sin more than we'll be able to resist, and with every temptation that you will give us a way of escape, to escape falling into that sin. So you have hedged in every one of us every day of our lives, and we thank you for that. We love you, Father. Help us to love you the way you love us, and help us to love others the way you love others. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.